Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we have a very special presentation today because we are covering The Traders US, episode one, the premiere of season two. What an iconic show. Just before we get into it, we are putting this episode out for free, but the rest of our Traders US coverage is going to be Patreon exclusive. So if you are gagging for the rest of our recaps of season two, you're going to have to head over to the Patreon. It's not survivor content, it's bonus content. And I think we're giving our Patreons a very special treat by covering this season, which is starting off with a bang. Okay, but we do have survivor content as bonus content as well. Yes, we do. (laughs) Okay, Just for clarity. Yes, we're also covering Nicaragua. Hey, we're working overtime here. So truly, I had a moment today where I was like, why did we choose to, to <laughs> do this in, in tandem as opposed to staggering? But you know what? We've committed to the bit and we will see it through. Yeah. First impressions of The Traders season two. So, I mean, I think it comes as no surprise for any of our listeners that you and I are very, very hot on this show. But I would say like top level, just to kick off the conversation, I think there's a world in which you assemble an all-stars cast and the all-stars aren't Mm -hmm. all-starring. The best example for Survivor fans being, you know, Winners at War. Game Changers. Game Changers, yeah. Another great example where you have this iconic cast, but not everyone's awake. And so what I feel about this show immediately is just everyone is at their like level best, particularly the people that you want it from. Mm-hmm. I would say outside of Parvati and Sandra, Phaedra, Dan Giesling, Trishelle, Janelle, people are activated throughout the show. Now, granted, Sean and I have seen the first three episodes, and I'm going to do my best to delineate. I mean, I only watched one and two again in prep for mm-hmm. today, so some of like our standum might be informed by the three-episode watch. And again, we'll do no spoilers. We can be good on that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just really impressed that they assembled this cast and that the cast was able to come and really want to play the game. They all feel very, like, in it and 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 wanting to form relationships and wanting to find the traitor. And I feel like a lot of this game is predicated on the cast's willingness to accept its ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone has opted into the experience of making this show. So I just think it's a such an uh, easy breezy watch while also just being like riveting television. And I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I'm going to be hyperbolic. It feels like heroes versus villains. It feels like that opening where everybody is, like you say, stepping into their role. They know their characters. They know the role they're playing on the show. And they are embodying it so perfectly. This cast is incredible. And I was already hyped on this cast after we did our cast assessment, which if you haven't heard, go back and listen to it because it's a great primer, especially on those that we don't know, like Ekin Sue, who I thought had a great little moment in this premiere, and John, the politician, uh, who... 
I think is emerging as a really interesting character and sort of a, an interesting wild card. But yeah, for, for me, there's so many people that I don't know. I don't know Phaedra. I know Phaedra from the culture and from Twitter, but I don't watch The Housewives. And so this is really my first introduction to Phaedra. And wow, star. So Phaedra is the star of this show. I mean, second to Parvati. Uh, no, excuse me. I would say Parvati is second to Phaedra. I mean, mm-hmm. like, there's a quality about Phaedra that Housewives fans know, which is that there's a way in which just everything that comes out of her mouth is quotable. Even if it's not a great line, which more often than not it is, then her delivery yeah. will be iconic. She just has this way about her. There are so many moments, macro and micro, of Phaedra in this episode. I mean, even cutaways to a reaction for Phaedra always deliver. Um, and also, you know, just a huge willingness to play this game, like a, a desire to, you know, take it seriously, which you really need in order for this game to work, as I already said. So, yeah, Phaedra, star. I feel the same way about Janelle as well. And I feel like Mm -hmm. Phaedra and Janelle are playing a really key role here of explaining the situation. And you have these great moments where Phaedra's going through the photographs on the wall and being like, this is who this is. This is Michael Jordan's son, just so you know. These two are together, etc. And you had Janelle playing that role as well, explaining to Kevin who Johnny Bananas is. And we need those people on this kind of show because you're assembling a crew from so many different universes. And the audience is not going to know them all. And so I feel like they have played such an important role in this premiere. And I can't wait to see how they progress in the game because they are so quotable. Right. And on that note, I think that the show did a good job of setting up the iconography of a lot of the cast. For instance, we were able to get, you know, a bite-sized understanding of the Sandra Parvati beef. We were able to understand that Johnny Bananas has won the challenge X amount of times. Uh, We were able to understand, like, the legend that these people have, which I think is really important because if you're... Like you, for instance, you're not familiar with housewives. So for all you know, all four of these housewives are equals, which is like simply not the case. Like, you know, Tamara is an OG housewife, not technically, but canonically. Um, Whereas like Larsa has only been, Larsa's currently on her fifth season of housewives. Tamara, I believe has been on 16 or 17 seasons. You know what I mean? Uh, Phaedra, for instance, has been off of housewives for years. Whereas, you know, uh, again, Tamara has, well, no, Tamara also was fired. Anyway, just a lot of logistics to this cast. I think it did a good job of setting it all up. Totally. Just pause here because, so we have Larsa, Phaedra, Tamara, and who's the fourth? Sheree. Sheree, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. A little invisible here. Yeah, I feel like, uh, but then you, there, there are some moments where you get the impression that she's formed relationships with people that we just haven't seen, mm-hmm. or maybe I was reading into that. But I think that Sheree is a big personality, but again, in a room full of, how many people are on this cast? 19? I think like 21. 21. Okay, yeah. So in a sea of 21, big personality is sometimes it's just, it's hard to stand out nonetheless. I have a feeling once we get some more, if, if you know, if Sheree lasts, once we get, you know, clear the stage a bit more, I think she'll be able to get her spotlight. Totally. Well, straight out the gate, the production value is upped for season two. Some of these wildlife shots are giving Survivor, they're giving Planet Earth. (laughs) It's really nice to see that they've purchased some drones and are getting some really epic shots to sort of, you know, 
augment the epicness of this cast and this show. And so it's really nice to see that some money is being funneled into the traders. Absolutely. I also, you know, in speaking about that, those opening moments, I just love Larsa misconstruing facts from the outset when she says, we are the first couple to be on this show. Now, granted, I'm sure she's referring to the U.S. franchise, but as, you know, as fans of the traders know, they are not the first couple to be on the show. And also... Even if that were to be the case, it's like, this is season two, babes. Like, it's not a big deal to be the first of something on a two-season-long show. Um, but I appreciate the inclusion of moments like that. And then the other thing I was wondering in that moment, too, for people that don't know that Marcus Jordan is Michael Jordan's son, he has that line where he says, you know, I've got Jordan in my blood. I'm just wondering, like, what percentage of the audience do you think has no idea what he means by that? I have to tell you, that went straight over my head. Okay. I I, th- I think it did for a lot of people too. I could imagine, you know, the the unit producer on that, you know, in that confessional with him being like, "Can we actually um, can we just try you saying that again? But just say Michael Jordan blood." Um, <laughs> although if I or if I were the producer, I would have made him go back and say that. Um, but I also thought they would have, you know, perhaps put a subtitle in or something to help, yeah, you know, bridge the gap. Even then, I would be like, "What do you mean you got Michael Jordan's blood?" Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you do with Michael Jordan's blood? <laughs> yeah. And we, of course, get our first glimpse of Parvati and Sandra. Parvati in the car saying, uh, you know, somebody asks, well, who would you not want to see here from Survivor? And she says, Sandra. And then we cut to Sandra. And Sandra, Sandra with her braces on, which is a, a whole, whole new woman here. The 22nd cast member. Yeah, yeah, Sandra's braces. Yeah. Um, And she tells us, you know, uh, nothing has prepared me for this game like Survivor. Survivor has given me all the tools I need to win this game. Is that true? I don't think it's not true. Like, it's not a strange comment to make. I mean, yeah, it's not true, true. But, like, it's more true than most of the people Mm. on this show. And Sandra's gameplay as we've seen in four seasons past, can be quite conniving. So it's not, yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was like entirely inaccurate. I will say they definitely knew that each other were there. And I felt like that moment like didn't quite land um, when it was like, who do you not want to be here? And it's like, well, the woman I was just in a holding room with an hour ago before we got into (laughs) these cars. Um, But, you know, gotta say, God bless whoever the casting director was that thought to have the two of them here together. I felt like they articulated the beef correctly um, in Parvati sort of stating that, like, we don't have, like, on-show beef. We have post-show beef with sort of who is the Queen of Survivor. And let's use this moment to say... There are some fans of ours who feel that we are Team Parvati and not Team Sandra. And I just want to say, and Sean, correct me if you feel differently, because I don't want to speak on your behalf. We are Team both. Um, We just know Parvati personally. And so we are expressly Team Parvati. But we're not saying Team Parvati as a we are Team this and not that. We are just saying that. Our friend is on this show, uh, and we're rooting for our friend. Like, we love Sandra. We recognize her iconography. We think that they're both the queens of Survivor. So I just don't want anyone... Like, I am rooting for Parvati to win this show, but that does not mean that I would be dissatisfied with a Sandra win, or I... Well, I was gonna say... I mean, like, I I would love Parvati to take out Sandra, um, but yeah. If Sandra won this show, it would be so iconic. 
If Parvati won this show, it would be so mm-hmm. iconic. I mean, for Sandra to come in with two Survivor wins and then come on the Traders and win the Traders, you know, if she doesn't, like, get banished or murdered, that's wild that she would be able to do that. And we have seen her do wilder things than that. And so I think Sandra could do it, and I would be so happy for it. And I love that Sandra won Heroes versus Villains. I've said this before. Do I think Parvati, I, I think Parvati would have been a more satisfying winner of Heroes versus Villains. I am in that camp, but I don't mind that Sandra won. I think it's iconic. And like Michelle Fitzgerald's, I can bow to two queens in my kingdom. Is that a reference? Yeah. Okay. During the beef, Michelle Fitzgerald tweeted, I bow to two queens in my survivor kingdom. And so that's how I feel as well. Okay. There's room, there's, there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I will say, though, that, I mean, you know, we I think we had spoken about this during our casting episode of the rumors of Boston Rob being on this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't had those substantiated, who's, who's to know for certain. Um, but that would have been truly um, wig. It but, would have been wild. But, well, you know, we hold out hope for season three. But I think, yeah, I, it would have been so interesting to see because Boston Rob is close personal friends with Parvati, but he also has a close relationship with Sandra. Of course, they spent 39 days on the Island of the Idols building that multi-layered shelter. So it would have been very interesting to see. Maybe he would have like kept we them together, but we, we didn't need him because we are, got Peppermint. Are we to believe that Sandra and Rob... That was just for show, right? <laughs> Look, <laughs> that, that is one of the great mysteries of Survivor because they swear up and down that they lived on that beach. For what? Don't ask me. What? Ask Mark Burnett. That bitch. Um, wow, that's bizarre AF. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's probably in their contract that they have to say that they lived on that beach because mm-hmm. I don't think they did. I will say I was craving like some of the footage, especially from Survivor and the mm. challenge. Um, like, for instance, I'm not a watcher of the challenge. So when Trishelle brought up this beef that she and CT have had, I do think it could have used like a 30 second clip. Totally. Um, or just like, you know, a montage of all the times Johnny won, Johnny Bananas uh, has competed in or won. I know there's like a very famous clip from the challenge when at the last minute he takes, he and his partner like have just won and he's given the opportunity to take the full prize or like split it with her and he decides to take the full prize. It's considered a big moment on the show. Like I would have loved to see that. Um, And then also like I saw Kelly Wentworth referencing Dan Giesling's Survivor, or excuse me, uh, Big Brother Funeral. I think that would have been great. It would have been great to sort of like see these people in their iconography. Oh, we've been told about like this Ekin Sue moment mm-hmm. um, where she, what the does she do? She... She's crawling on the floor to go kiss another man. Right. Like I feel like a clip, a clip package would have been good for a lot of these people. That said, I can understand how like busy the edit might get if we're doing 21 totally. characters. So I also want to tip my hat to the editors in this. I felt like with episode one, it was a great introduction to our cast, but I felt like they kept things moving in a way. But I felt like after episode one, I had a sense of everyone on some level. I wouldn't say everyone necessarily got a moment, but I don't need everyone to get a moment, but I do feel like they did a great job of balancing out introing these characters. Well, even with, you know, sometimes the traitor suffers in an episode one because when they decide not to do a banishment or murder in the episode, I think it can really drag. 
There was no dragging here. I did not miss the banishment. I did not miss the murder. I mean, we also have the benefit of all three first episodes dropping. And so we can just move on to the next one. But I didn't miss it. This was a jam-packed premiere. Yeah. The cast carried it. And not every show has that. No. I do miss... Well, you tell me this because you've watched the Traders UK season two premiere. Did they keep the um, sending people home upon arrival from season one? They did not. They do a fake out where she has them get in the line and then she goes, you think you know this game? You have no idea. Get in the castle. Ooh. It's a big gag, yeah. Okay. But there's so much drama from the line. There's so much drama from them lining up that has carried on through three episodes. Interesting. Yeah. There are a lot of moments with the traders that I'm like, you know, I think I think a lot of people listening probably are like me, have a lot of curiosities about like how the show is made. The most obvious one being that fans of the show know that they don't actually stay in the castle, even though the show makes you think that they do. But even like upon arrival, like they go down and they like go and they're in the courtyard and they're sort of like having a champagne toast, but it's like, is that like a social hour or is it just like everyone go down, take a sip and wait for Alan to emerge where they told to socialize and get to know each other, kind of like the survivor players do on their, um, what are they, what do they call those? Those little trips they go on up the mountain? <laughs> the journey. The journeys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, yeah, and then even like when they're inside, for instance, and they're all like in those separate rooms, is it like, hey, you guys have 60 minutes to socialize, go wherever, or is it like, hey, we want eight of you in this room? Because it's just, it's very hard to get a sense of how things work, and then like someone will like walk into the kitchen, and it's like, are they walking in because they're grabbing a bite, or are they walking in to do a scene? Totally, totally. It's like that scene where... I mean, I'm jumping ahead here, but where Sandra and Dan are talking in like the billiard room or something and Max walks in and he's like, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, come join us. And he's like, "Mm, I don't know. Uh, And then he walks away and it's so weird and uncomfortable. Like, was he was he told, hey, go. There's a conversation there like, shoo, shoo, go in that room and see what's happening. And then he's like uncomfortable with it. Uh, I don't quite know how that works, but you've got to imagine there's a little producer manipulation going on in terms of placing people together. And speaking of placing people together, I've got to say, because right when we get into the castle, we have such an iconic trio come together where Peppermint is talking to Parvati and Sandra walks in and Peppermint is brokering a peace deal between the two beefing queens of Survivor. Sandra extends her hand, Parvati takes it, and everything seems to be going okay. Well, wait, 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 back up. (laughs) So first of all, what I need to know is like, is Peppermint, excuse me, is Peppermint a Survivor fan? Yes. That was like a missing link to the story. I feel like the answer is clearly yes. See, I don't know. I don't think it was so clear. I I can't, it's hard. Or also it's like, was she just told, hey, these two are on Survivor and they're enemies. Right. Like that, so that was a missing link. But I just got to say the way in which Sandra like slithered into the scene (laughs) Sandra's performance in general is like, I mean, her and Parvati are both operating on a next level, like plane of existence, but in different ways. Cause I think Parvati's is more like purposeful and Sandra's is more sort of just like, I, I, I don't know what she's doing, but I'm loving it. Um, but yeah, the way that scene began, because it's like, again, was Sandra brought into that room to do a scene with Parvati or did Sandra just wander into the room? Either way it works, but it's just one of those like mysteries of how this show is made. I gotta think that Parvati and Sandra 
have top of mind, I need to go talk to this person because the longer I go without talking to them, the longer they have to plot against me. And so like, I just need to neutralize this threat. Let's just chill. At least we know each other. We're up against a whole bunch of people we don't know, or we very peripherally know. So you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't, as Peppermint sort of put it. And I think it was top of mind for both of them. I think they were seeking each other out in these early moments. And in a way that, you know, with with the clinking of the glasses in the courtyard, maybe that's not the environment to do it because we're in front of everybody and maybe we don't need to air our dirty laundry in front of everybody. But Peppermint, that's a safe space. Mm-hmm. You do have to wonder too, it's like, have there been conversations had between Parvati and Sandra at all between when all of that conversation was bubbling up online? I know. It's just most curious. I know. Because, yeah, I know. You really... And this is something we've never asked Parvati, which is... I'm kicking myself now, but... Oh, but actually, on this note, though, we can clear something up that I do think Parvati would appreciate having cleared up. So, uh, Sari did a post recently um, Mm. congratulating the cast of season two, and Parvati's name was missing from the list of tagged folks. It was like some of the housewives. It was all the bravos. Yeah. Sandra, I think Dan Giesling. Am I correct? Oh, maybe. Whatever. But the point being, she didn't tag Parvati, and people were wondering, like, is there beef between Suri and Parvati? There is not beef between them. For some reason, and I honestly think it was a mistake on Suri's part, she shadow tagged Parvati in the post. But Parvati not only sent me the shadow tag, but showed me the DMs that Suri had sent to her, you know, expressing her excitement for Parvati. So, like, for anyone out there that's, like, wondering, is there, you know, Discord uh, in the, uh, in amongst the Black, amongst the Black Widow Brigade? Not so. No. And I feel like, I'm so curious to hear, I hope that Sari does some recapping of The Traitor Season 2, because that is a relationship we don't ever hear about, is Sari and Parvati, and they worked so closely together in Micronesia. And it's very possible that Sari feels a similar way that Sandra feels, right? Because Sari was right there at the end. If it was a final three, Sari probably would have won that season, and instead it went to Parvati. Does Sari have hard feelings? I think not, but we just never see them interact together and also Sari is just not the best at social media which I appreciate about her getting better she's getting better I think I think she's been going through some training over at Bravo for whatever the hell they're setting her up for but (laughs) but uh she yeah she's 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 involving herself more but you know she's gonna make these mistakes and maybe tag poverty after the fact in her story but yes she did tag her I mean my like Looney Tunes want for Sari is for her to join the cast of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, which doesn't make sense, like, um, (laughs) in terms of, like, casting, um, but just logistically um, makes sense. I don't know if Sari is cut out for, you know, the life of Real Housewives, but I will say, for people that don't watch the show, like, not all of the women uh, have to operate on like a level 100. It's not always about, you know, yes, certainly there's a lot of conflict, but you do have like peacekeepers in the cast. And so I do feel like there is a role that someone like Suri could play on a housewives. I just don't think it's New Jersey that's the cast that's for her necessarily. But to your point, like there's gotta be some next move for her. And I, I don't know what it is. Totally. But you kind of think, I mean, she just launched a podcast with Jared. And so she did. Yeah, they have a podcast. Sari has a podcast. 
Sweet Chap. Podcast. So you got to think that it's probably Amazing Race. Oh, yeah, With maybe. Jared. Yeah. I don't want to see that, though. I don't want to see that either, but I just feel like that's, it keeps it in the, the you know, uh, Peacock. Well. Keeps it in the CBS universe. I was going to say, then she jumps back over to CBS. So that yeah. wouldn't happen. Maybe, and then I was gonna say the Challenge USA, but that's not what she's for. Yeah, it's a great question. Anyway, moving moving right along. But yes, we um, we can clear up that all is good between Parv and Sari. Yeah. Before we move on from this truce between Sandra and Parvati, what are your hopes for their relationship in this game? Do you want them to work together? Do you want to see one take the other out? Like, what is your ideal scenario if you have one? So the ideal scenario for me is that they do work together and it's actually authentic. I'm like a big fan of conflict resolution on reality TV and like genuine conflict resolution. I have a big um, like frustration, especially with regards to housewives when someone, you know, has a, a lunch where they make amends and it cuts to a talking head where they're like, I forgive, but I don't forget. And it's like, all right. Like, so I would actually like to see them genuinely get to a good place and work together in the game. The problem is that the structure of the game does not make it such in which it's advantageous to be loyal to anyone because you know, the more people on your side at the very end, the less money you make, whether faithful or traitor. So that's the part that's tough because like, I guess in an ideal world, like gaming this out, they, yeah, they find their way into the end, whether as faithfuls or traitors and knock out the opposing, but there's just logistically that doesn't seem possible. So I think, so in terms of like what is possible, I think just I'm more interested in them like socially yeah. getting to a place of genuine forgiveness. I don't need them to be best friends, but I do think that like there is an avenue of friendship for them that I would like to see. But I have to say like I don't really like know much about Sandra despite her being, you know, on Survivor four times. Like I mostly know Sandra as like a game player mm-hmm. and I think because we've had Parvati on the show and know her personally, but also thinking about like Parvati's interview on Los Culturistas, where she was like talking about her love of like Mariah Carey and things outside of Survivor. I don't really know much about like who Sandra is or like, I don't even know like if she would vibe with people like us. Like I don't know, but I know that like, you know, what I do know about her is that she's close friends with Jeff Varner, which indicates <laughs> we probably wouldn't, you know, vibe. Um, but so, Or yeah, I, that I means I she could vibe with anybody. Yeah, it does. But yeah, I just, I don't know if there's the possibility of friendship between them, but I would like, uh, I want peace. Yeah, I think back to season one and that great alliance between Sari, Stephanie, and Rachel. And I think that there wasn't enough attention on that alliance in terms of the edit of the show. And I do think that we could have a situation like that where there's, you know, the alliances are very willy nilly on the traders because nobody can really understand where you are, whether you're a trader or a faithful, but there is a certain amount of information sharing and trust that can be built. And I think that Parvi and Sandra could fall into that sort of a relationship. And if that's the case, I would just like to see a little more attention on that than we got with the Cerise Steph Rachel uh relationship in season one. Yeah. But like, I will just like, you know, put a pin in this to say, like, the fact that we have Sandra and Parvati on a television show in 2024, in which they're both, you know, at you know, continuing to deliver the iconography, like, no matter the outcome, I'm just like so grateful that 
again, that casting had the thought to put them both on and not even from the perspective of like these two like competing queens, even like that lore aside, just the opportunity to see them both on television playing a game, a game that I, I, I believe they have the potential to both be really great at is a win. We've won. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And before we get to the roundtable where we select the traders, there is another moment I want to shout out here. And it's between Janelle and Kevin, where Janelle is explaining to him who Johnny Bananas is. And it's so perfectly Janelle in the delivery. Janelle has not aged a day, both in looks and like ability to deliver and serve on reality TV. And this is such a great example, just such a great micro moment where she's talking to Kevin and she's like, okay, so that's bananas. He's won the challenge like seven times. And Kevin's like, what challenge? And she goes, the challenge. And it's such a great moment because it tells us something about Kevin and it tells us something about Janelle. I feel like even if you don't know Janelle, you're like, oh, okay, this girl is real. That's the thing about Janelle is she has always delivered such authenticity And yet it's at such a high level of iconography that she is just such perfect reality TV. And it's these micro moments, but then there's also the macro moments like we'll have in the challenge and we'll get to that. Uh, She's just delivering at every level. I want to shout out one other Janelle moment that I loved. And it was when, I think it was when they emerged from the round table and she's walking down the hall with Trishelle and she says, are you a traitor? I don't think you are. If you are, recruit me. And I just like (laughs) love that behavior in Janelle where it's like, you have all these players that are just like doing anything to get the spotlight off of them. And Janelle's basically just like, I don't think you are, but but if you are, you know, it's like, totally. it's, I, I like the fact that so many of this cast wanted to be traders. Totally. And that's the thing that is so risky in the traders historically, that if you express any desire to be a trader, people will be like, oh, can't trust, can't trust that person. Can't trust that person. Better banish them, which is like based on nothing because a real trader would never talk that way. And so it's such a misdirect or it's such a mislead that they all follow and so, yeah, love the uh, love the willingness here. I feel like this is a little bit of an evolution in the way the traders is played, where people are willing to be a little more bold, and hopefully, it's not seen as so threatening in the future mm. and in this yeah. season. Yeah. Now, before we get to the roundtable, mm-hmm. I think we should play a little game. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think we should <laughs> yeah. play a game, a classic drop your buffs game of star. Or Starless. Are you ready? I would love to. <clears throat> yeah, I'm ready. If I was okay. born ready. Let's kick things off with CT. Starless. Starless. Bergy. Uh, Starless Rising. Star. Dan hmm. Giesling. Star. Star. And also, let's point out the fact that, like, there's just an intrigue around Dan that is like undeniable. And like, yeah, I mean, I think it's slightly informed by the fact that he's very good looking, but like there's just an aura to him where like uh, the camera, like really like your eye just like goes to him. It's like, what is Dan thinking? Um, okay. Deontay. <laughs> Starless. Starless. Ekansu. Starless Rising. Starless and not Starless Rising. You have this weird thing with that one confessional. Okay. What did you get besides that one confessional? It wasn't oh, just the confessional. It was the interaction with Bergie where she's okay, like, okay, oh, okay. you're spilling your drink. You're turning red. I thought like, oh, she's but here that was Bergie's moment, not hers. Eh, but that moment wouldn't happen without her. You're right. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll meet Bergie you was right. getting all flustered because he was talking to a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Janelle. Star. Star. Bananas. Supernova. 
Who? Bananas. Starless Rising. Star. John Burkow. <laughs> Starless Rising. Star. Kevin Creeder. Who? The guy that Janelle has the interaction about the challenge with. Oh, Starless. Starless. Larsa. Starless. Star. Oh. Whew. But I might, I, honestly, this might be informed by episode two, so hard to say, but Larsa's one of the stars of the traitors for me. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, Marcus Jordan. Starless. Starless. Maxim. Starless. Starless. MJ. Starless. Starless and one of the most, you know, uh, not given in least camera time of anyone from this premiere. Uh, Parvati. Star. Star. Peppermint. Star. Star. Peter Weber. Starless. Starless and I would need to see a picture to even know who that is. Phaedra. Star. Star. Supernova. Uh, can we adopt that term? Yeah. Okay, that was invented by Kevin on our Traders UK uh, mm. recap. Let's give a little plug here. Sean and um, our friend of the pod, maybe, you know, now sort of... My podcasting drag mother. Yeah, okay. Uh, Released uh, an episode, a recap of episodes one through three of the Traders season... The Traders UK season two. Yes. Um, TBD on how how deep in we will get this season, (laughs) but if we do go deep, maybe I'll hop on the mic at some point. Um, Okay, Sandra. Star. Star. Sheree. Starless. Starless. Tamra. Starless? Starless. Uh, and then last but not least, Trishel. Star. I'm going to say Starless, but we'll circle back on episode two. You know what? Okay. Honestly, you know what? Let's just say this. We're not going to play for episode two because I think we're, 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 I feel like we're seeing these, it's just so hard to separate. So I'm going to go to Star because I think Trishel and Pepper, well, Peppermint was a star in both episodes, but I think Trishel's star rises in episode two. Yeah, this is also very difficult for me because I watched these like two weeks ago know, and haven't so, had the opportunity to rewatch them. So I, feel I like am episode four. Jumbled. We're gonna be like fresh as a daisy. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah, we watched them a while ago, and then I, you, I don't know. I mainlined them, so then I rewatched today. But then I even I only rewatched one and two, and even then, it's like things just bleed over. Totally. So anyway, but the TL, TLDR is like. A lot of stars. <laughs> a lot of stars. And to be starless in this premiere is not really a knock against you. No. There's only so much room. There's only an hour. And it's okay. I like a simmering starless that could rise in the future. That Absolutely. is fun in a reality Absolutely. show. Yeah. And you have to have these stars ready to go. This is the thing that makes me nervous is I like all these stars and probably some of them are getting set up to go away pretty soon because you want those big impact eliminations uh, early in the game for the audience to you know sort of get hooked and then your starless your starlesses can simmer and rise and become stars shall we talk about the trader selection round table because we haven't even gotten to our traders yet and of course, we see that Dan and Phaedra are selected. We have only two traders, which I felt like was a bit of a gag. But then we have a reveal of a twist, which is that the traders are going to be given the power to enlist their final trader to make the trio, the trinity, complete. And so all we have is Dan and Phaedra. What did you think of these choices? Outstanding. <laughs> Like, Did I you was... think that Dan was a little too obvious of a choice? I mean, fr- from the second he was rumored to be on the cast, it was like, well, Dan's going to be a traitor. I don't think there really is a such thing as someone being an obvious choice because 
The fact that they're obvious can sometimes throw the scent because it's like, well, why would they choose someone so obvious? So no, I mean, I don't think he was like a subversive decision, but I don't necessarily think that like he is, I think his obviousness can actually benefit him if played right. Um, Mm. And I was glad to see like a power player in that position. I was worried because I was like, you know, with Sari being chosen last season, I was like, well, we're not going to get a survivor player. And unfortunately we didn't get a survivor player in this episode, but as a consolation prize, we were given a big brother player. So I was, and again, like I don't see survivor and big brother as siblings. You know what I mean? Like I'm Mm -hmm. very survivor loyal, but I, I respect the fact that someone like Dan is a game player. So I thought he was a great selection and as a longtime fan of Phaedra's, and and I suspected she would be very good at a show like this. I was like that if she would be if I could choose anyone, and you know, taking Parv and Sandra out of the conversation, Phaedra would be my number one choice for a trader. Yeah, she is such a great choice, and we didn't get to see a housewife be a trader last season, did we? No, no, but we only had Brandy, and Brandy wouldn't have even. I don't even consider right. Brandy a housewife. Brandy's like an agent of chaos that was like right. dropped into the housewives universe like a bomb. That's she's not canon, you know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean? So I I feel like in this opportunity, we're going to really get to see Phaedra work her magic. And I think one thing that's unknown is like, what sort of research did Phaedra do ahead of coming here? She seemed to have some familiarity with people. You get the impression that like some sort of dossier was presented to her. (laughs) And I do think, you know, for people that don't know, Phaedra is a lawyer. And so I do think Phaedra is someone that like, is prone to doing their their research ahead of coming onto a show like this. Um, but yeah, I thought they were just absolutely fantastic selections. I'm not sure if the having the two of them choose the third trader had a ton of payoff dramatically. Um, I just feel like we could have gotten our three and kept it moving. Um, oh, but I mean, see, I love this twist. I love this twist because I feel like there's so many different ways you can go with it and we're very excited to see where it goes in episode two, but you can either as, as a double, as a duo, you can choose to enlist a third who maybe you want to murder early on so that you look like traitor hunters, or you can choose a third who you think is really going to bolster your strategic acumen up in the traitor's turret. I feel like there's just different avenues you can go. And maybe the two of you, the two of you being Dan and Phaedra could have different approaches to it. I feel like it creates such an interesting way of giving the traders a little more agency in the game, even though it's maybe the faithfuls who need more agency in the game. Right. Um, It's just like, again, we're giving them more (laughs) on top of the fact that like the worst part of this game is that if you are successful in taking out a trader, they just recruit more. They just multiply. There's really no I was going to say, there's no way for the Faithfuls to win this game. Although, so wait, season one, UK, jog my memory, who won? Amanda? The Faithfuls won. Okay. Amanda. Amanda was long gone. And that Um, was... No, we had Aaron and Meryl and Hannah. They all won. They all won. But I feel like that was because of a very specific slip up. It's happened in other Traders franchises. Okay, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. I just think, like, we have to acknowledge the fact that, like, the deck is stacked against the Faithfuls. Um, So, yeah. And then also, to your point, 
you're saying that like you think it's interesting because there's all these strategies around how you'd want to recruit your trader. I feel like there's so many strategies and ways you can go that it, it, it actually ends up becoming uninteresting to me. There are so many ways, but I, I, I like that because I feel like the game has been so formulaic and I've having watched every English language version, I'm honestly like a little tired of the format. And so this is a little change to be like, okay, like, and it's yeah. not so wild that it's giving the, the players an unreasonable advantage, but it's like, okay, let's, let's see how they game this out, especially in a season where there's so many existing relationships. If that's yeah. I was going to say that part of it is cool where it's like, yeah. They're not just choosing together some rando. It's sort of like they each have. But again, it's like it's what, why. What doesn't make it satisfying to me is like if you're Phaedra, for instance, it's like there's good reason to choose a housewife and there's good reason not to. Exactly. So again, it's just like I, I hear what you're saying and I don't disagree. Like, yeah. I like the idea that, and I like the fact that this show's open to twists like this. Um, and I didn't think it was a bad twist, but I just think that like. I like things that are more rooted in like there's a strategy and it's like any strategy on the traders can be a good strategy yeah, if, sure. you know, luck and a lot of other factors work in your favor. So anyway. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a flip of the coin. Yeah. There's so many factors, but it is exciting that, you know, whatever might happen, you know, should they enlist somebody and that somebody turns on one of them? It's like, well, you did this. You had a a role to play in this happening. So that's kind of exciting in terms of like the long-term narrative. But after the selection, Parvati gets her first big moment where Larsa calls her out and says, I heard Alan's arm lift right in your direction. And I thought this was so great because it was like, I didn't know, you know, Parvati's like a little older and she's a mother in more ways than one. And in Winners at War, like we didn't really see the feisty Parvati come out to play. And here with all of these like crazy people, she's sort of like forced back into that role of immediately having to defend herself. And we just get great moments of Parvati, who by the way, is wearing this stunning all white outfit. Love the look. Um, but we get this great moment where she's like, um, excuse me, like, no. And we get this confessional of like, you're barking up the wrong tree. I thought it was a great little introduction to the poverty that we know and love from the golden era of Survivor. Absolutely. And for people that don't know, Larsa, I was going to say, is probably the biggest present day Housewives villain. I would have to amend that to say second most after Monica from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. But like, Fans of Housewives do not like Larsa. So if you're going to have anyone be an adversary for, for, uh, wait, is adversary the good or bad? Bad. Okay, yeah. If you're going to have anyone be an adversary for Parvati, I would definitely want it to be Larsa. So yeah. this is a very good matchup just because I feel like Parvati could fucking destroy Larsa if given the chance. And it's so fun to see Parvati go toe to toe with like a housewife. Absolutely. Obviously like I don't even know but it's just such a different universe than going toe to toe yes. with up somebody who's coming to play the game of Survivor who yes. often they're so often human chess pieces. This yes. is like a character bitch, right? And that's so exciting to see Parvati step into that world. And I remain conflicted on like, you know, we have this moment where it's like, did I hear a sleeve move? And then coming up, we have Janelle accusing the PM of like, you know, you breathe differently. Like there's a part of me that's like, God, this show is so fucking ridiculous. But again, because everyone in this cast is like committing in earnest to this game, it somehow works. Yeah, gotta gotta point out he's not a PM. That would make him the prime minister. He's an MP, member of parliament. 
It's a very important distinction. Although no not one only says is he, not only is an M- he is MP, but if anybody remembers our cast assessment, he's an MP who has been banned from Parliament for bullying his staff. Um, but that was also such a great moment where Janelle Janelle is on this case. She is like, you were having trouble breathing. He's like, I got asthma. And boy, is this going to continue. Mm. Such a great moment. And so after the roundtables where we get a whole bunch of little moments here, there's some fallout from the Larsa and Parvati discussion. Larsa's saying Parvati got too defensive. Again, this is a thing where it's like, no, if you're a traitor, you're not going to get that defensive. You're just going to shut up and like sink back into the background and be like, how can I make this go away? Parvati standing up, it makes it so clear that she's a faithful in this moment. But also, you know, good game on Larsa to keep pushing this because what else do you have to push, right? Right. We get a little of Ek and Sue talking about poverty, which is interesting because so many people in our cast assessment were like, can't wait to see Ek and Sue join up with poverty, exercise the jo- power of their joint sleigh. Um, but Ek and Sue is like, Parvati's she's already manipulating. I think Ek and Sue did a little little research on poverty before coming out to the castle, uh, taking the train up to the castle. She's local. Uh, but saying, you know, she is, she's manipulating, she's projecting her, you know, traitorous energy onto Larsa saying this is Larsa's trying to create a diversion. Um, and that's where we get our sort of one Ekansu moment here. I will say Ekansu seems to be a little too self-aware for my liking. So we get this confessional where, and and like granted she is, right? So she just won Love Island UK. The public absolutely fell in love with her. And so she knows the qualities that the public fell in love with. And she's recapping that for us in like two sentences where she's just like, I've always taken a little issue with people telling me that they're quirky, like, Show me that you're quirky. Don't tell me that you're quirky. And we get a whole series of reasons why she's quirky with the alien and she can twist her arm back and all of this. But I did really appreciate that being cut in with this moment where she's just flustering Berkey to such a a wild degree that I'm seeing rising in her. I am not, but I appreciate your perspective and I want to. So I'm like, I'm willing it into to being. Okay. Let's talk about the mission where Tamara's not taking part. Yeah, so a, a little gossip that I heard was that Tamara had some health issues throughout filming. So I'm curious to see how that's going to impact her time on the show. But yeah, pretty startling, like day one, or not day one, but like, you know, activity one to have uh-huh. someone down. Um, especially when, like, this is, it's this and the round tables, which is like all you have to go off of. Not yeah. that. Well, but also the challenges don't often play a huge role in like the mm-hmm. discussions at the round table. It's more of like the goings on at the house. But yeah, that was a pretty shocking, shocking moment. Totally. And so they're playing once again, a twist on the quest for fire-esque first challenge from the traders. Uh, this one, they are collecting platforms in the water to create a puzzle. And we have our second big twist here, which is that shields are now hidden throughout the challenges. Well, they're not really hidden, but they are located throughout the challenges for anybody to go and claim for their themselves. And it creates an interesting sort of conundrum for the players of like, do I go and do this out in the open? Because they do not protect from banishment. They only protect from murder. So how unsafe are you really feeling on this first day? Maybe if you're a big name, you feel like you have a target on your back, uh, especially if you're a big game player like Janelle, who does go for a shield here. But 
I do think that there is something that they could do. And I talked about this on the UK recap. I do think that there's still one more evolution they could do here, which is to make it a little more hidden. They're really out in the open. And what I envision is more so, you know, in the survivor challenges where they would hide the hidden immunity idol in the challenge and you might find a clue on like where it is in the challenge. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to see with the shields, because I feel like the untapped potential of the shield is that we could have an attempted murder and that person could survive because we haven't really seen we haven't seen that happen yet, period, uh, as far as I can recall. And I feel like that's where the big power is going to be, is for this to act like a hidden immunity idol in a way where it actually saves somebody's life. Because at this point, all it's doing is showing the traders, okay, well, they're off the table for discussion of murder tonight. And it seems from, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but from the episodes we've seen of its use so far, it doesn't seem like anyone really holds it over anyone's head for going after it. No. Because everyone's just sort of like, yeah, you got there first, like, good for you. Because I think the conception was oh this can potentially instigate drama but it's like at the end of the day like there's three of these someone's got to get them it makes sense i don't know yeah so like when janelle first went and ran for it i was like oh are there going to be consequences Mm -hmm. to this and then it was quickly like no everyone was like good for you yeah totally i have to say i think the standout moment of this entire premiere is janelle untying herself and running for that shield and face planting on the way Like that is seared into my brain and the music cues and her confessional about being like Katniss Everdeen and the Hunger Games. I just thought this was so iconic. This was the moment. Obviously, I had enjoyed everything up to here, but I was like, oh, this show, this is it. But again, I have to say, like, it's so cast dependent because it requires someone like Janelle to take this game as seriously as Janelle takes it. Like, the design of the game itself does not allow for a moment like that. I mean, it allows for it, but it doesn't, you know, uh, bring it forth. It's really having someone like Janelle who is going to equate a moment like this to the Hunger Games and deliver that. But yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we need our own Because then, yeah, you contrast... CT and Deontay also get shields by abandoning their boats and going and swimming for the shields. And like, honestly, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. The two least interesting people to get a shield. It's so funny. I like grew up with like such a crush on CT. And like, I look at him now and I'm just like, I have no feeling. Not that I, it's just like, I have like, he just evokes no feeling from me. Yeah. I got to say something about CT's wardrobing. Yikes. Yeah, but he's got a big butt. <laughs> Did you notice? I did not notice. Oh, it's big. But I will have to keep an eye out. Mm. You don't see a butt that big on a white man terribly often. Okay. He's got like a dumb. Do you think it's augmented at all or? No, I think it's from, like, it's competing in these natural. challenges. Oh, okay. You yeah. think it's a big, beefy butt. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, I don't know. Is there anything we need to talk about from this challenge? They do it, of course, with seconds on the clock left. Yeah, they got that. This, that, this part of, well, I don't know. It's like, on the one hand, I'm like, because I've accepted that that's how they do it, I'm sort of just like, okay. And again, like the stakes are so low always. So it's like, it might as well have some fun in the, in the edit. Um, I will, you know, give them credit for going in and, and tinkering with the challenges themselves. The odd thing for me was 
if I remember correctly, the explosion in the premiere episode of season one was actually like surprisingly like grand. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting like a bigger explosion from this premiere and it didn't deliver on that. Like the yeah, actual- Yeah, it was just a whittle fire. Yeah, the actual, ex- you know, explosion. But no, I mean, I would say the, the one note I would make about the challenge was I was heartened by how activated the cast was in playing it. Because there's a world in which you're just sort of like, let the big dogs, you know, complete this because what are you, you know, especially for those people that were on the quote unquote beach that were just, you know, trying to find those clues and everything. It's like, you could say to yourself, like, you know, how, how much of help am I really going to be? But everyone was like, no, 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 let's do this. Yeah. Everyone was all in. And I think that's credit to this cast who so many of them are challenge competitors. And I don't mean the challenge, I mean, just challenges in their respective game shows. And that's probably that energy probably transfers to the non competitive cast as well. They're they're like, Oh, yeah, we got to do this thing where like, if they stepped back and thought about it for half a second, they'd be like, actually, we we could just lose every challenge and then make all the money in the final challenge. Mm -hmm. But also, it's just like, I continue to crave the idea that the traders can try and sabotage the totally, missions, all of them all. Totally. I just think it would be so, it would make the challenges so much more engaging if the traders were trying to work against the faithfuls and there was the possibility of faithfuls catching on to traitor-esque totally. behavior. Do you know what they could do? They could like, they could like, it, they could be given like cert, a, a certain like secret mission to be like, if you, sa- if, if they are unable to finish this, you guys split $10,000 this round. It goes home with you no matter, no matter what, what happens. Yep. Yeah, do it. It seems so obvious, and there's the template of it being done before successfully. So, yeah, that to your point, it's like I still feel like there's much more tinkering that needs to be done with this show logistically, but because I would rather them be tinkering with the iconography of the cast, which they have done successfully, that to me is the priority, um, than going and restructuring the game. But, like, yeah, the game still leaves quite a bit to be desired. Like, yeah, you're not coming to this show for the game. No, you're coming for the cast. And the moments, even, even a cast, I don't know, you know, coming to the traders UK season two, I'm like, I know they've put the work in to cast some interesting people and there's going to be moments and boy, have there been moments. I just don't know if you're going to be able to rally the fans, but I'm rooting for you. (laughs) Well, it's so wild. I mean, like it makes sense why Peacock isn't carrying streaming of the traders uk because so far it's pretty much an identical show uh and so it makes sense why they're not preempting their own original content by airing the traders uk but it sucks for the u.s fans that they have to like find some illegal way to watch this show that was season one was so beloved and probably the most beloved season of the traders internationally period but also it's like, why not stagger these like releases? Totally. They're, we should have gotten together, had a meeting. Like, Yeah, like they're talk. sister shows. Like, let's yeah. walk in arms. Totally. All right. Well, after the mission, I thought we had some great little micro moments I want to call out. Like at the dinner where Parvati says to Phaedra, I think the traitor's first murder will tell us a lot about their strategy. And Phaedra's just reaction. Again, this is like why Phaedra's so great. She just goes, mmm. Of course, Phaedra being a traitor and Parvati trying to tease out like, and I feel like in Parvati's mind, she's probably like, well, if anybody's not a traitor, it's Phaedra. Uh, But it it just leads to this great little micro moment. We get a conversation between Dan and Janelle and they commit to working together, which is really fun to see. And I don't even know Dan's background on Big Brother. They sort of touched on it here that they've obviously played together, but I don't think Janelle 
did well on that season, if I'm not mistaken. Janelle's never done well. <laughs> she did well in her first season. She made it to the final three or four. Oh, okay. I'm wrong. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Janelle's never done well. <laughs> I thought she hadn't. I feel like someone told me that. Because I've never, I haven't seen all of her seasons. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we get this this great moment, uh, which I've already mentioned, but it's where Sandra and Dan are talking. And really, the, the, oh, yeah, she the narrative the here. Yeah. Good for her. The narrative here is that Dan is really trying to figure out who he wants to enlist as the third traitor. And he's going after a game player. And so we see him, you know, he has this chat with Janelle. And he's like, you know, this could work out. Uh, and then we see him have a chat with Sandra. And uh, he's just saying, like, either way, like, Sandra's reading this as faithful talking to faithful. But uh, he's reading this as I'm trying to, I'm doing job interviews here for the third trader position. Uh, and it's really great where Max walks in and they're like, come on, come on in, Max. Uh, and then he weirdly stumbles out and you get, I think, the first iconic moment from Sandra, which is where she goes, he's irrelevant. No, the first iconic moment from Sandra is her walking <laughs> in to the room with Parvati and Peppermint. Okay, sure, sure. But I mean, like, Yes, that that's iconic because of the company she's keeping. No, I don't agree with you. you. I think, I think that's the just, way you she enters just the that walk. room is okay. iconic. Okay, okay. So Sandra, and when I watched it again moment. today, after watching it two weeks ago, and thinking it was iconic, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to still, you know, do something for me, and it did. I do love when she the the hand extend to Parvati is mm-hmm. so robotic, and then it, there's like this shot of Sandra's face where and Sandra, I, I never realized sort of how short Sandra was, but in comparison, especially next to uh, Peppermint, there's just such a height disparity that it's just it, it's just comical, and the the look on Sandra's face, like looking into Parvati's eyes, which I think is just genuine, but it's reading as. I don't know what in the actual shot. Um, yeah, okay, so that is her first iconic moment. You're right. But I think her calling Max irrelevant is is up there. And she was right. And she was right, yeah, yeah. Although, I will say, I will always sort of defend the fact that if you are from a franchise where you don't have anyone else with you, it's not that it's an advantage or disadvantage, but I do feel bad for you in that, like, these housewives, first of all, Phaedra and Sheree both appeared on the same show, but also, like, housewives is a sisterhood. There's BravoCon and just many opportunities in which they've been, like, out doing various press together. Obviously, the Big Brother universe, they know one another, Survivor, etc. When you're someone like an Sue or the MP or whatever, I do think it's, like, it can be a little bit di- more difficult to ingratiate yourself within the group. Now, mind you, there's lots of people in that position, so it doesn't make it impossible, but... Yeah, I mean, Max, like, it's such a wild card to bring in a dancer from Dancing with the Stars. I mean, not more random than bringing in a PM. MP. MP, whatever. <laughs> oh, no, okay. you're right. That That is the most random, oh. especially, like, a British one that nobody's going to know. And, like, I don't even think Ekin Sue is going to know who he is. But... All right, shall we go over to the Traders Turret where they have some decisions to make? Phaedra and Dan meet each other for the first time. Both seem very surprised, which uh, I don't know if Phaedra should be that surprised again. I, I mean, think I think you're surprised Dan, no matter who it is. I just think it's the reaction yeah, of the yeah, reveal. You're just like, it's surpri- like, because yeah, it's surprise. Yeah. yeah. You're not surprised when like you, you someone invites you over f- on your birthday and they're like, let's just have a quiet dinner and then everybody's there and they're surprised. But you have a reaction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hear you. Uh 
they talk through the decisions they have to make, which is uh, who to enlist, who to murder. And we get them talking about Sandra as a significant threat, but potentially a stone cold killer. They talk about poverty and the target that was already put on her back by Larsa. So is that somebody like if, if poverty's already got a target on her back, you know, there's reason to not recruit her or not enlist her because she may get herself banished very quickly. Uh, but then there's also reason to enlist her because she may get banished very quickly and you get a traitor out and you look pretty good. Uh, and then they talk about Janelle and maybe a target on her back because of going for the shield. And they also consider uh, with regards to the murder breaking up Larsa and Marcus. But, like, they don't really seem to be considering that, but, like, the show presents it as though they are. I think they probably, it's like, it's like what we talk about with Survivor. They they talked through everybody. Every single, yeah, yeah. I think they are and asked then, to talk through everybody. And then we get, speaking of iconography, these shots of Parvati and Janelle and Larsa oh my God. waking up in the middle of the night out of Sandra. their bed. Sandra turning on the lights this is what I come to this yes. show for. Yes. I mean, on another level, and I gotta say, Parvati flexing those, in, is it into the blue too? Yeah. Yeah, this was like flexing those muscles acting. that she learned on set. Yeah, this was acting, um, to quote Sia. Yeah, look, it was really, <laughs> really something. I was- Could you imagine, uh, could you imagine the shots of like Amanda Kimmel in the bathtub? Wow. Your dream. <laughs> you want to talk about Into the Blue, too? <laughs> I would yeah. be Into Outer uh, Space. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, really, I mean, I so appreciate this show's, um, the melodrama, you know, the leaning into that of this show. And even the idea of, like, I, I've said this from the jump, the fact that they call it murder and banishment. And, like, they just, they mm -hmm. the show takes itself very seriously in a way that I think, uh, helps the players to take the game seriously because of the fact that you really feel like you're immersed into the world of a murder mystery. Totally. So we, of course, know who is enlisted. But if we put that out of our mind, Evan, before we wrap this up, who do you think, whether they've discussed them or not, is do you have a dream person to be enlisted as the third traitor. Do you see, are you asking this if I were Phaedra and Dan or as a viewer of the show? As a viewer. Uh, I would choose Sheree. Um, really? Because I just think it's so unexpected, the idea. No one would guess that two housewives from the fr same franchise would ever be mm. selected as traitors. That's good. That's good. I think that, obviously, I, I mean, so as a viewer, I want one of my survivors selected because... Mm -hmm. I was so disappointed to not see one of them selected in the roundtable selection. I think it was always going to be one of Dan, Janelle, Sandra, or Parvati being a traitor, and they went with Dan. So I would I would love as a viewer to see one of my survivors or Janelle, but it seems too obvious. And so I think like going with your thought process here, the wild card I would like to see just because I've heard so much about her is Ekin Sue. Mm. I feel like that or would be Starless a good Rising. card. Starless Rising. All right. With that, we are going to end this here. If you want to hear our takes on episodes two and three, uh, episode two will be dropping on 
Saturday tomorrow. Episode three will be dropping on Monday. We got to stagger this out. It's a lot of content. Uh, And then the traders will be moving to a weekly schedule following that. And all of our subsequent recaps of the traders US season two will be available on our Patreon. So if you want to keep up with the traders US, you're going to have to go check out our Patreon. The link to that is in the show notes of this episode. And you're not just going to find Traders US content. As we said, we are also rewatching Survivor 21 Nicaragua. In the past, we have rewatched Panama and Borneo, and we have lots of exclusive content over on the Patreon to make it worth your while to go check that out. So do that. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. There are going to be memes upon memes upon memes from this show. It is so meme worthy. Evan, what do you say we give them an emoji to drop under the episode one meme cap? Can I can I can I suggest maybe something a little bit different? I absolutely, I would love. Why that. don't we just get in all caps your winner pick? You, oh, you listening? Let's fun. get your winner pick. Yes. Okay. Go to our meme. All cap. caps. If it's not all caps, it's not valid. We're deleting it. (laughs) And we're blocking you. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) All caps. Who do you want to win? Who do you want or who do you think? I don't care how you approach it. I think it's who you think is going to win. Because if we say want, we're just going to be flooded with Parvati's We're going to be flooded with Parvati's, yeah. Yeah. Who you think is going to win the traders after seeing episode one. Oh, yeah. And then we'll, and then I know you love data, so you'll take a tally and you'll report back. You know I will. You know I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. See you for episode two. Hopefully. Bye. Bye. Bye.